I have with me today an empathic and compassionate individual who is a registered social service worker and a licensed supportive counselor for women. It is my pleasure to speak with you today. Denise Marie, welcome. Thank you so much. That was like a mouthful having to, to <laughs> say all of those things. I'm like, okay, are we going to get there? But you're right. I identify as many things and, and one of them being a, an empathetic counselor for women. So we got there. To use the coin, the phrase of you get what you get when you get it. Yes. <laughs> in, in, the, in the sense that, you know, you can say you want something, you can go after something. If you get it at the wrong time, you're going to either lose it or you're not going to enjoy it. But when you get something, when you get it, when you're supposed to get it, it's like it's there. It's like it just falls in your lap. And that is applicable to people as well, that you run into the people that you need when you need to see them. And my my saying is always there is no chance encounters. You meet people when you're supposed to, very divinely in some cases, and, and nothing is ever by coincidence. And that's something I've I've built that belief over time, obviously. I didn't just have that belief. That's something I had to discover and really uncover about myself and uncover about the universe of the world and how it works as I believe it does. Um, but even this encounter, I mean, this was not by, by chance. Come on. This was, this is not just coincidence. There's, there's a bigger purpose here. And so I'm even more excited to dive into the conversation with that in mind. And, yeah, see and I mean, our previous conversation, when we started to talk, you could Obviously, if there were anybody watching in the room, which there wasn't, it was just you and I, mm -hmm. it sounded like we we had known each other for a long time. And the conversation just kept going and going and going. And we probably could have talked for hours, except that you had things to do. I had things to do. But it was as though, yep, this is the perfect timing for this. This is exactly mm -hmm. when this should have happened. So I agree. what I'd like to do is is talk about your story. So I'd like to understand from the beginning how did your journey get you here? And I don't mean to this interview, although you could bring it to that point, but <laughs> how did your journey get you into this calling? Because you started out as as, as a social worker mm -hmm. and then you came to here. And when you read on your website, you talk about having a personal journey, having personal experience that you can relate to other people. Take me through that. Take me through where you were and how you got here. Yeah. So I actually, funnily enough, I'll start out with saying I was not always a social worker. I was not always in the therapy realm. I worked corporate for a majority of my life doing everything you're supposed to do. Um, I went to school. I got all my, my accolades. I went and got my, I earned my cubicle. I had my corporate job for many years. I was doing all of the things. I had the house, the car, all this stuff. And I found myself extremely like dissatisfied in a lot of ways. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what's happening here? Because I'm doing all the things. I'm doing what society tells me to do, but yet I'm deeply dissatisfied and I'm very, I'm not happy. Like on paper, everything looks marvelous. People would be like, wow, oh, Denise has got it all together. Look at her. Her life's amazing. But this like really kind of at my core, I felt like what's happening. I don't feel right. And I feel like I should be happy, but I'm not. And I need to explore that a little bit deeper. And of course I had had a lot of unprocessed, unprocessed trauma. And just as a trigger warning here uh, for anyone watching that might be sensitive, I did suffer some abuse at what during childhood. I was quite young, eight years old, and I had never dealt with that. I just shut it down. And I just never talked about it again until 21. So you can imagine during my formative years, like your, your sense of safety is just completely knocked out, like just knocked askew at this young age. And, and I never dealt with it and I never dealt with it. And I tried to go to therapy once and it was just a complete cluster. Myself and the practitioner really didn't hit it off. He was kind of like, well, just get over it. It's been enough time now. And I'm like, is this what therapy is? I don't understand. And so I thought, okay, well, therapy is is as BS. I'm just going to stop. And I never went back. And it wasn't until probably, even though I only just started talking about what, what had happened to me at 21, I still never dealt with it. So it's living in my body and it's manifesting itself in all these ways. And I'm trying to fit myself into a box of society and do all the things I'm supposed to do to not have to feel any of that, to not have to deal with any of it. But it came to a real head, probably, oh man, I would say late twenties. It came to a complete like had maybe even later than that, I could have been early thirties. And, and I just had this, this complete meltdown one night. And this, so I call this and I've labeled it my enough is enough point in my life where everything that I had never dealt with came up all at once. Everything I had never dealt with as a child, all of the trauma I went through being bullied in school, being treated poorly by other people, all of my victim intact, like everything just came up all at one point. And it, and it completely 
shut me down. And I thought to myself, and my partner is incredibly supportive. He's incredible and amazing. And I, and I adore him. And he was just like, what is happening right now? Like something's got to give to me. He's like, you, you've got to do something. And I thought to myself, he is right. I have to do something. So the next day I, I went online, therapist near me. I literally Googled <laughs> it. And, and I found my therapist based off a picture. I saw her face. I'm like, that's my therapist. I called her and I got myself into therapy. And anyone that's entered therapy ever in their life knows this is very scary. There's so much fear of the unknown and that fear of the unknown. I hadn't yet learned that fear of the unknown cannot actually catapult you forward. That's something for further along in the conversation. To me, unknown was very scary. And I was having a real, like, my ego was having a temper tantrum, crying and screaming, don't do it, Denise, just everything's fine, you're fine. And you almost, like, convince yourself in a way, like, you don't need therapy because you're fine. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're going, you're, you're going to go. And and through the process of, of therapy, I, I had a very beautiful spiritual awakening. Now, it didn't happen at all at once. Obviously, I had a lot of trauma to process. I was in this safe space where I could just say all these things and get all this stuff off my chest and learn new experience and gain new perspective and all the traditional things that you that you usually have during therapy. It was very transformational for me. But the piece I was not expecting was the spiritual aspect that knocked me off my toes. I was like, what is spirituality? Because and I think we talked about this prior to our interview. Uh Spirituality to me, I thought it was very in a box, like religion. Spirituality is religion. <laughs> and I came to learn very differently, very, very quickly through therapy that it was so much more. And I didn't have to like believe things in a certain way or restrict myself in a box. And and I just started cracking wide open. And, and I was on a like a knowledge quest, if you will, to to understand what spirituality meant to me and to uncover it. And it just became this beautifully organic part of what therapy meant to me. And it's now what therapy means to my clients as well. It's a really important oh, part of what I, sorry, I bang myself. It's a really important part of what I do and the work that I do with my clients. So that's kind of like big picture. So I'll leave it at this point to you to, to dig deeper with me because I yep. could keep talking for an hour. <laughs> oh, that, that's fine. Uh, what's funny is, is that the notes that I've taken, you have touched on all of the things, at least three key pieces that I want to talk about. So that's fantastic. You, you've you introduced the, the segues and the segments that we need to talk about. So the one thing that I want to talk about, because it's interesting how at the beginning you had dismissive therapy, let's call it that, yes. where it, it's essentially, yeah, don't worry about it. It's nothing. It's not important. Just get rid of it. Just forget about it. And then you went to another therapy where it was open up let's let's go take it just dump um i will admit that i've also been through therapy and when it started it was quiet time because it i always thought like in your case you know you have all these ideas in your head and it's not just a fear of the unknown it's also that concept that you've built watching tv and watching all these other programs and stuff or listening to radio or whatever where you've heard that the therapist is the one that comes out and tells you here's your problems and let's solve it this way and let's do and no good therapy starts with listening mm -hmm. and so the person i saw sat there and i sat there and i thought this is a game let's see who breaks first two days two sessions worth of silence before on the third day i said okay so how do we start this and then it started the guiding well why don't you tell me where we start mm -hmm. oh we're gonna play this game and it wasn't a game it was just suddenly i started to talk and then okay so talk more about this mm -hmm. and that's and it's all it was was a guiding process but it had to start with me and in the sense that if you want to be healthy, you want to be, and this is in your case as well, you reach that pinnacle of moment, that 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 emotional state of, I've had enough, mm -hmm. then you know you need to do something about it. And if mm -hmm. you don't feel that, it's never going to work. If somebody says to you, you need to fix yourself, you need to change, and you're in a mental state of, yeah, screw you, I'm not doing this. Exactly. <laughs> you're not going to get any value out of anything that happens because you'll balk at it, you'll fight it, you'll argue with it. You may see a couple of little sparkles that you go, oh, yeah, I like that idea. I'm going to try some of that. But mentally, there's no desire to make any changes because I'm good. I'm fine. As you said, your ego kicks in and kicks his little feet and says, I'm fine. I don't need any of this crap. <laughs> and 
if you're not there so my my experience of sitting for two sessions in silence for an hour two hours of this was that challenge of am i ready for this that's i need to be personally ready to start this walk because like you say your ego comes in all the mental exercises you go through to say i'm fine why am i here fall away as you sit and realize it is up to me it's my choice my decision and getting there is the first part of the battle Mm -hmm. first part is to say am i ready for this so from your conversation, you mentioned that societal norms and societal requirements made you feel, put you in this position of, I should ignore the past. I should do what I'm doing. None of this is making me happy and I feel like crap. So I want you to talk to me about, and you coined the phrase, supposed to culture. I'd yeah. like you to talk me through that. <laughs> yeah. And this is a, a new term and a new verbiage that I, that I've coined. Um, that really fits all of the pressure. And and yes, I work exclusively with women, but this applies to men, to non-binary folks, just folks in general. Um, this, this pressure to be a certain way, society dictates you should or you must. I call it like you're born in the new, your society handbook of life. It's like given to you. Here you go. Here's everything you're supposed to do. Follow the path. This is the route to happiness. <laughs> right here just do it follow it and i think the the term happiness kind of drives me bonkers sometimes too because what is happiness it's individual to everybody but we are led to believe that if we just go to school get married have a partner have a job get a cubicle work hard hustle 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 don't take breaks don't cry don't you know big girls don't cry think of these things that we that we hear all the time there's no crying in baseball like all this you know, the stuff of don't be emotional, don't listen to your intuition, focus on logic. All of these things are encompassed by society that says this is how you're supposed to be, which is why I call it supposed to culture. And it really combines everything from patriarchal influences, toxic beauty standards, hustle culture, capitalism, consumerism, buy, 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 do, 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 you know, just continue to flood your mind with as much as possible so that you aren't able to sit down and ask yourself, what am I here to do? What am I, Denise Marie, here to do? What am I, Mary Johnson, here to do? Because there's nothing scarier to society than people that are really connected to their soul, to their intuition, and following that versus just following the path. There's a lot more to gain if we just keep our blinders on like horses, right? Just follow the path, do what you're supposed to do, and I promise you'll be happy at some point. And if you're not happy yet, you're just not there yet. Keep going. Just keep doing more of the same. And and we all know what it means to continue doing the same thing over and over again. It yields the same results. It, it really takes you to do something different and to rip that blindfold off, as I say to my clients, like that's part of the work together we're doing. We're breaking up with supposed to culture. We're ripping off the blindfold and we're starting to see things for what they truly are. And that is we have a lot more power than we think we do power to influence, power to make decisions, power to make things possible in our lives. But a lot of times, and this is for me true, I lived so deeply in victim mentality, like life was happening to me prior to therapy. That's why I believe these two things really are, are so interconnected is because through that process of therapy and that spiritual awakening, I learned that I could make things possible for myself, that all these things weren't happening by chance and I could influence them by kind of influencing my own vibration and influencing how I saw the world and, and by coming from a different place of possibility, all of a sudden possibility is possible because you're magnetizing it. Mm -hmm. But you got to start by ripping the blindfold off and seeing supposed to culture for what it is. And this influence of you're being influenced con constantly. You're being conditioned constantly from the time you're old enough to know words. Like if you could just, you know, go back to when you're a child, I mean, a child. A small baby before they know any conditioning is just experiencing the world through the lens of intuition, through the lens of their soul, through the lens of who they're meant to be. And then the conditioning starts. And that's and then you get more and more conditioning until, again, for me, I, I got to the enough is enough point. And I'm like, I need to just like take the hammer to this foundation and relearn what it means to be me outside of supposed to culture, outside of what I'm told is correct, because I know what's correct and I need to follow that path. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and it's, it's culturally focused. I'll, I'll say that because us, the North American way of thinking, the Western way of thinking has a specific supposed to book, handbook, as you call it. And I love that idea that it's the handbook of because you, 
you realize when you get some form of awakening that you'll walk down the street and you'll look and it's as though people are gray they're not they're not colorful and vibrant you'll see a few but most people sort of walk along the same path it's almost like seeing that 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 apple commercial of all these people in gray outfits all walking with the same beat and cadence and and they're all the same until one guy gets creative and it's yay and he starts walking against the crowd but when you look around you see people are doing something like that they sort of all moving at the same pace so the north american culture that supposed to culture is one way i know that other you know there's probably an east asian culture that has the similar mentality but it's another handbook that's very much the same and it's not much different in the sense that you look at it from not the details but the generality of this is what your societal norms are be this mm -hmm. and it's not always you much like medicine we talked about that that medicine is very generalized and what they're beginning to find out is that me medicine should be individualized mm -hmm. every human being is slightly different so every medicine every treatment every illness everything affects that individual slightly different and the treatment should be slightly different so in the same way our mental experience of the world we shouldn't be treated this is you know cookie cutter you know here's 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 your therapy it goes a b c d and then you walk out and you're fixed mm -hmm. and we both know there's no fixed <laughs> it's, it's awareness and and an alteration of our own perspectives that make us better than what we used to be we're out of that book mm -hmm. and we become individualized and to that end you mentioned spirituality a lot and what i'd like to get into is your perspective in more detail on spirituality you've said that it's not religion you know the organized religion but to some people it is yes of course to a degree or to a great point that's mm -hmm. their strength is that pillar of 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 religion but spirituality is broader than that and yes. i i know we had our conversation about the extent of spirituality and that belief of changing your 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 goals changing your your world around you in the sense that it is mostly in here and mostly a part of your connection to everything else so if you could go into detail of your perspective your personal beliefs around spirituality and how it can be leveraged for for health reasons for for mental health for for those people that are in distress yeah for me spirituality gave me it, it it helped me restore my my faith my hope and my optimism because at that point and i think i was like self-proclaimed like glass half empty person like i am a glass half empty person i was like so proud of being a pessimist for some reason which is very bizarre looking back on it now i was in a totally different place in, in my outlook but that that connection to spirituality and knowing that i was a part of something bigger that i wasn't just individual denise with the world happening to her that i was a part of something much grander like a fabric of the universe that and i i wasn't just little old denise that was a beautiful part of the oh i'm going to get emotional a beautiful part of this fabric that is the universe and and my the the role that i played in it and the influence that i could have that connection to that spiritual piece that spiritual awakening restored that faith and hope and optimism and allowed me space and opportunity to realize that the glass is the glass is whatever i want it to be really it's up to me to determine how the glass is it can be anything um and and knowing that and and again as i mentioned too understanding possibility and understanding that we are energetic beings just in general like this whole world is energy i'm energy is anything ever real like even real like or is something only real because i have a context to attach to it or i have a, a construct for which to fit it in these are some of the existential questions that were that were coming to mind during this 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 moment but what i realized is that understanding that we're all energy we're all vibration we're all frequency and it's very important to as you're exploring your own spirituality understanding how that works like how your own like if you're coming from a place of love and hope and optimism and you have this vibration emanating you're obviously going to have you're going to see the world in that way and you're going to magnetize similar things to you and that was a big part of my spiritual growth as well too is understanding that and knowing that the more i kept myself feeling like i was a victim the more i the world was like yeah you are a victim look at all the ways you know, look at all these dozens of ways you're a victim. And I kept seeing it. It's almost like you're, 
I, I came to this understanding that my brain is almost like a supercomputer and whatever I program it with is what I'm going to, the feedback I'm going to receive. And this is something I share with my clients all the time because I find that they're often on the, you know, the precipice of a spiritual awakening of their own, though they don't have the verbiage for that. So understanding that piece, this everything is energy, that we're all unified and connected, that it allowed me to like drop a lot of my judgments as well too, I found. That was a really important piece of my spiritual growth as well too, is I used to be very judgmental. Although if you had asked me at the time, I would have said, no, I'm so open and understanding. No, I was... I was unbelievably judgmental and green with envy comparison, like comparing myself to everybody else. And again, I think that's all encircled in that victim mentality piece. But for me, that spirituality meant like, no, like I, I'm, I don't need to compare myself to anyone else. It's okay for me to be incredibly unique, one of a kind. I can stand out like a sore thumb. I don't have to fit in. I, and I, it allowed me to let go of a lot of attachment as well, too, I think is a big piece of, of what spiritual means, spirituality means to me, letting go, being able to let go, like ah, let go of past trauma, let go of the need to be perfect, let go of, you know, my attachment to things, too. I think I held on to a lot of things, um, items, material items. I could let go of everything and just start living a life that felt really good to me. And of course, if you can't see it in my office right now, it's uh, surrounded with just different crystals and books and all kinds of like little things that are are a really big part of my spiritual growth as well too. meditation and mindfulness. Like I, if you told me that I would be meditating 10 years ago, I would have laughed and been like, I can't meditate. Who can shut their brain off like that? But as we know, meditation isn't shutting your brain off. It's practicing non-attachment. So I think that's a big piece of spirituality is being able to practice non-attachment and having faith and hope and optimism that the path will illuminate. All you have to do is continue to take steps forward and to continue to follow your intuition and your gut instincts and and reconnect to that, understand how your intuition works and continue to follow, follow the way because the way will show itself. Yeah. But uh, of course, you don't know that until you've had this sort of spiritual, the spiritual kind of cracking open, if you will. But that was my experience anyway, in my belief system. So is forgiveness a part of your spirituality where, and I don't mean just the general sense of forgiving, but in the sense of in your situation uh, from the abuse, do you forgive those involved and do you forgive yourself? Because yes. I know key to most people's trauma is not the external, but it's the internal that they've put a, a, a label on themselves that it's it's my fault. Mm -hmm. I'm the reason for all of these things happening. And yes. that that's a key piece that they don't let go of. You know, as you said, that that letting go, but there's also that sense of self-forgiveness. So is forgiveness part of your spirituality? Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. And I remember the day, I remember the day I finally was able to forgive the person that abused me all those years ago. He's long passed away now, but and he passed, he had already passed away before I forgave him. Like death wasn't enough for me. I, then I couldn't, I was letting my healing for a long time be contingent on him being sorry. I was giving my power away in that way. Like if he, if he know, knew what he was doing, like how dare he, he should be ashamed of himself. He should be living a crappy life. He should take responsibility and accountability for this. And he's probably not even thinking about me, but I'm putting all of my healing on somebody else. And the moment I forgave him, I was like in my bedroom, just sobbing. And I, I, I walked out and I hugged my partner and I said, I forget, I forgive him. And he's like, I don't know ever what's happening anymore. Like, who do you <laughs> forgive? You know? <laughs> like you need to give me some context here. And it was just this feeling of like, I forgive him. I forgive myself. Cause you're right. I blame myself for a long time. Like I was, I, I was blaming eight-year-old me, like I should have known better. But I mean, of course, uh, this perpetrator had every toy game, video game, every cool thing, all the cool snacks, that, every child's dream. They had everything. So of course, I wanted to keep going back. But so much of me blamed eight-year-old me, like if you had just stopped going, if you had told your parents, if you had said something, you know, that he could have been stopped earlier. And how many people suffered because you didn't say anything. And just having compassion and understanding, you only know what you know when you know it. Um, <clears throat> it, it allowed me to, to find that self-forgiveness and allowed me to find forgiveness for him as well, too. Because again, 
you know, like you just never know what people experience. And I understand this now. I can look at his life and wonder what led you to this. You weren't born this way. This was this. This is the result of something that maybe happened to you at the time. I couldn't see that spirituality allowed me to understand that he had a history too. Mm -hmm. something transpired in his own life. And that helped me with the forgiveness as well, too. But that took time. Like I, I had to get to the point where I understood that. It wasn't immediate. So for you externalizing that, that your spirituality to others, everyone else involved uh, in other events, not just in that event, but in other events as well. Um, do you find there's a necessity to go that far external or can you simply allow for the fact that everything is different, like energy energies and, and the way they move through the environment, through what we call reality it can be different and and allow for that and just leave it at that as opposed to trying to make sense of things by saying you know something happened um this individual is angry today because something's happened you're you're placing your value system and your context on the external when in fact what you need to do is just simply my perspective of it is this and whatever's going on is whatever's going on and sort of as you say kind of release yourself from that need to analyze i understand because i do it myself that analysis of the world around i want to understand the context i like to say you know i'm not aware of what the context is but my brain starts churning and going but i can figure it out <laughs> yeah what you can do is go no stop it is simply what it is you know a tree grows because it grows and a, a branch dies off on that tree because it dies off on that tree and i do not need to become a biologist and understand that tree or all trees in general just to know that that's going to happen and it may not happen with the next tree or it may happen and step away from it and stop that i need to understand the world around me because you don't you're in it you're a part of it like you say you're an intrinsic part of it you're a colorful beautiful part of everything that's going on understand this part of it and don't worry about the rest of it because it is it will happen it's going to happen even when you go to sleep it's still happening you don't get to figure out all that stuff and you don't need to it's too much too much weight it's a different form of the supposed to culture in the sense that you're supposed to figure it out no you're not Stop. yeah <laughs> well i think for me this element with this one big one particularly that was important for me to have that that ability to be compassionate and ability to understand that you know he's a product of his own environment. That was an important, and not necessarily to figure out every little active part of it, right. but for that one specifically, because it was the weight, the weightiest trauma that I had, that was an important part of the healing for me. But right. to your point with other things, and this is hard because the brain wants to overthink. It wants to overthink so badly. It's like there's comfort in overthinking. Um, if I could just figure out Every little, and I think that's a lot of where anxiety comes from, this ability to be like, I, if I can just figure out everything that's ever going to go wrong ever in the rest of my life for the rest of time, then I can feel like I'm in some sense of control. And that part I've been able to let go a lot of. I still, I'm like, I'm a human being. I'm not perfect. Not even Mary Poppins was perfect. So I understand that it's not going to be your hundred percent right all the time, but I am allowed to sometimes say it is what it is. And I can't control it, but I can control me, my behavior, my action, my responses. That's another thing that spirituality gave me was my understanding of I'm the only one I can really influence at the end of the day. And if I keep trying to influence everybody else around me, I got to keep spinning my wheels. So just influence your, yourself. But that's hard because you you become stuck in your set of ways like you began. I mean, Dr. Joe Dispenza said it best. You you become a habit. You are a habit. <laughs> you're a bad habit to break yes yes and one of his books is all about breaking the habit of being yourself and mm -hmm. and a lot of that is deconditioning and a lot of that is unlearning a lot of this stuff and learning to just be like okay what is within my control and focusing more on that but yeah that piece for me the big one i needed to understand his perspective to be able to truly let it go and it worked for me <laughs> that one works for me <laughs> But as you as you pointed out, for other individuals, you may take them on a different road, a different path to get there. Yes. Let them guide, let them point at a path and you can walk with them to ensure that they are, feel safe, they feel secure. They don't feel like they're doing this alone and are traumatized by the experience of walking into the dark. Right. Because and dark, not the negative dark, dark as in the place that's not illuminated. That's it. 
a lot of the stuff we don't know is a sense of illumination that we don't know it or it's obfuscated it's blocked off and we're not quite sure what it is because we can't quite see it and your purpose with these individuals that you work with is simply to slowly push aside the thing that's blocking the view so that they can see for themselves without you making it your vision for them it's mm -hmm. their vision that they just needed assistance pushing aside the nonsense the possibly the supposed to culture possibly just their own self standing in the way of what they need to see to move forward yeah absolutely and i use a lot of that like um terminology or verbiage it's we do this hand in hand this is so collaborative you're not alone. I am there with you. I will hold the light. I will hold your virtual hand if you need to do it. But no, you're not going into this dark space on your own. I'm going to, I'll bring, I'll bring the light. I'll bring it. And, and it's okay to go there. And my client's emotional safety is everything to me yeah. because before you can go there, you need to feel a sense of safety. It needs to be a safe space to be able to feel like you can do it because the nervous system needs to be already in a state of calm in a state of zen you know you need to kind of be in a in a good headspace and a good body space to explore some of these things and to and a lot of my clients are very scared to go there they always say i'm so scared to go there i'm so scared to go there and then at the end they're like i don't know why i was so scared it was it was okay you were there with me i didn't feel alone i felt supported um but it is scary to think about because we it, it's like we tuck all these things into the darkest corners of our mind and we put them in boxes and put boxes on top of that box and boxes and boxes and boxes and 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 the idea of unpacking it and looking at it is very scary especially if it's you know for stuff connected to childhood it, because then you just become that child again and yeah. it's you know but then the beautiful part that happens is you become available to support the inner child you become by I support you, you then are able to support the inner child. And that work is is profound, yeah. but it's it's a little scary to get there. Well, also the, the dark places in your own mind, if you're trying to do it yourself, you're self-processing, it's emotion-based. Yes. And it's difficult to articulate emotion in your head. And if you're only thinking about it, it's emotion-based. And so your head isn't able to deal with it. Once you talk to someone else you share you're articulating which means your brain switches to logic mode and you process emotion through logic mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you why was that scary all of a sudden you understand from a logic perspective what that emotional side was all about and by having somebody that you feel safe to articulate those deep dark black scary emotional pieces you're now able to walk out and go okay now i have an understanding like you say needing to understand even in the simplest form, simply because you've allowed logic to take a look at it. But you can't on your own go there because either you become the crazy person who walks around and you talk to yourself and you're talking mm -hmm. out loud. And that's really not going to help because now logic gets associated inside your head with that, just the processing. And that shouldn't be how logic works in your head. Logic mm -hmm. should be about making sense to someone else. If you're trying to make sense to yourself, I mean, your brain, try articulating what's running in your head right now. It's difficult because it's noise, it's feeling, it's sounds, it's colors, it's pictures, it's things. And basically you'd go, that's what comes out. Yes. <laughs> to me, that just made sense. I know exactly what yes. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> to you, it makes no sense. And so I, I assume, I imagine that with your clients, you're guiding somewhat there as I'm the interpreter. Speak to me. Mm -hmm. articulate to me and allow your logic to make sense of those things yourself, but feel safe that it stays only with me. I'll forget it in two weeks. We don't need to worry about it. I'm not going to write a book and talk about my clients. None of that stuff. It's simply a matter of this is your way of helping yourself to articulate for yourself. Yeah. And I call that, it's a very, very important part of my process. And, and I've labeled it as emotional, like emotional show and tell. And that's how I describe it to my clients, especially if they're considering working with me. We have, we jump on a call just to, you know, is this the right fit energetically, emotionally, intuitively? And I always say like the first part piece of this puzzle is your emotional safety is everything. And it's going to be a really big emotional show and tell. And it fe it's going to feel like it makes no sense. You're just going to like basically throw spaghetti at the wall. Like, <laughs> this and this and this and this and this and this and it's not going to make any sense but it doesn't have to it's right. coming out in the way that it's meant to come out and i just want you to start just start talking 
And I'll lay that out for them uh, right at the get, like right at the get go and, and kind of make them aware that this is that first piece. It's very much like, here's all my stuff. Let's look at it and really not even chronological order, like one thing to the next. And, and from there, then the journey starts, then we can start to get into the nitty gritty. Then we can move on to the next stage and, and really start the walk and start the perspective exploration and everything that needs to be done um, on their terms at their pace and working collaboratively. But you have to have the emotional stuff first, just like, here's the, here's the things because for many people, it's just been living here yep. and you don't tell anyone and, and you don't share it with anyone, even your friends. You're like, I don't, I, I just can't tell anyone this. And so there's so much relief and release and catharsis just from here's the stuff. And right trying not to make it make sense. Do and you if- use, other than, than conversation, do you use other techniques? I know that some psychiatrists, psychologists use um, expression techniques. So um, draw a picture of how you feel, write a story of how you, what's going on in your head. Again, it's a process of articulating it through logic, taking that dark place that you've overcreated, because as mm-hmm. you said, you overthink, you overthink, you're always processing. But when it's emotion related or it's historical, it's memory related, it's always being reprocessed and reprocessed and reprocessed. And sometimes the emotional state is worse and worse and worse. And as you say, you bury it and bury it and bury it. And it just festers mm-hmm. until you are process of allowing them to actually speak it out or write it out or draw it out so that they see how they felt. And then they also see how much more they piled onto it. And and so much of the work that I'm doing is having them understand certain things through childhood, like having them write the story. If there's something specific like that, having them do a journal prompt where they go back and they put themselves in that space again, like put yourself, imagine yourself in your childhood bedroom, sit on the floor, have your pen and paper, imagine yourself in brilliant detail, what you felt like, what was going on and write it down, allow it to free flow. There's so much power in journaling. People like my clients always roll their eyes like, Oh, journaling. Like that's such <laughs> a therapy thing to say, but that this is where your subconscious comes to life. It's important to set that intention, to set that mood, to set that tone. And I think, I mean, some people are like, oh, I'll just do it on my phone. But there's just something to be said about like pen to heart to soul to subconscious to putting it on paper. And so much more comes out that way Yeah, because they're not thinking. They're just writing. I am so behind you and journaling. I'm happy to hear that, that you, bring, uh, you bring your clients to doing that kind of work because in my past, that was what was suggested. I drew pictures and I wrote. And the pictures I drew helped immeasurably to look at what my brain was saying was going on and allow people to write. Or if you, you know, if they feel more comfortable to draw out, draw, sit on your floor and draw, draw the picture of your past, draw the picture of the incident, draw the picture of whatever was going on, whatever is going on in your head. And then looking at it together. Yes. They first have to feel safe to look at it themselves. And then if they are willing to show you and you see this thing and you're, Okay, number one. (laughs) Now I get it. And it starts to be like, I I feel like when I'm working with clients, I almost start to see them like they come to me in their individual puzzle pieces. But then as I understand more about them, I can put the picture together and I can do it. I mean, that's part of me being a professional, but it's like I can do it and understand all these pieces collectively coming together to understand the bigger picture before they can. But I start to see it come together, but you can't see your own stuff. And that's why therapy is brilliant. Because it helps you to see your stuff in a new way. Another thing I do with my clients often, and I'll tell them this right from the beginning, is start to become, especially as we begin this process, become mindful if you're having dreams. Write them down. Keep a little notepad beside your bed and scribble like, I don't know, I saw a fly in my dream, whatever the case. But I also believe that, you know, your dreams are your subconscious bubbling to the surface, asking you to look at things. And I've got this really neat practice where I wake up in the morning and I call it like the in-between. I don't know why I call it this. The time between like when you actually like stir and you open your eyes. If I've had dreams, that will be the time where I try and remember them and and ask myself, what's my dream trying to tell me? And oftentimes I can figure it out real quick, but I think that process is also a really neat thing for people to do to just be like, what am I 
being called to look at here because again this is the subconscious using its voice so if you can become more mindful of that and i do a lot of and this came really organically where i started doing some dream analysis with clients i'm like what do you think it means google says it means this i'm like well what do you think it means like let's not ask google google doesn't know you personally it doesn't know your subconscious so you tell me what do you think and all of a sudden they start talking and it becomes another catalyst to get them talking about things as well too so what I found, I'm really, I like the idea of supporting dream analysis. And what's funny is, is that having an external view of a dream with somebody who is rational minded and looking at you have already talked with you and walked you through a number of things to hear a dream and say, ah, what's your perspective on it? And they'll tell you, you know, like I, I'm saying this because I've also gone through this experience of of taking a dream. And I looked at a dream. I had a dream where I was running up a mountain and then a mountain lion was there and it felt threatening. And I was, ah, there's a mountain lion and I don't understand. So I'm thinking the mountain lion is all my issues. And here I am. I'm running up the mountain to try and solve this. And the person I was working with said, what if you're the mountain lion? Mm. You would not believe it. I got it again. I get the chill up the back of my neck that I went holy crap, that changes the entire perspective of the dream. Because if I'm that, then it's things that are coming up at me. And as the mountain lion, I'm defending myself. I'm, I'm, whoa. And it changed the conversation for the next hour about that because taking a different tack on a perspective. And then the key piece to the conversation in a dream is every single thing in your dream is you. Everything Mm -hmm. is you. Because you're not dreaming about somebody else. You're not connected to somebody else's head and you're going, oh, yeah, I'm dreaming about, you know, Taylor Swift from my, from, you know, I want to be with Taylor Swift. No, Taylor Swift is a part of you. There's an aspect of you that is Taylor Swift Mm -hmm. in your dream. It's that that your brain is dealing with and saying, so the Taylor Swift you're looking at is maybe really successful. And what you're thinking is, is like, I could be really successful. I could be like this. It's that kind of conversation that needs to be, you know, like you look on Google and they say dream analysis. Oh, a bird means this and water means this. No, it doesn't. Not for everybody. Water to me could be I'm feeling sweaty, you know, and I'm sleeping and feeling sweaty. And that's where water comes into the dream. It's my brain going, why are you wet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, somebody else could be, you know, they just had a bath and they go to bed and that's why they're dreaming about water. It's just something that's in their head at the time, but it's all about them. So again, phenomenal. I liked it. The writing piece. I love that the the dream analysis and being the second viewer, being on the ride with them, talking them through and giving them that alternative perspective on things. That's it. And there's something I thought actually while you were, and this is funny, while you were saying that, talking about thoughts, this was another part of my spirituality is understanding I am not my thoughts. My thoughts are a part of me, but just because my thought says, you're a piece of garbage and you don't deserve anything that does not make it true that's just a thought that has been thought over and over and over again your thoughts like they just they have nothing new there's no new material it's like the same thoughts all the time like you think the same thoughts you thought yesterday today over and over and over again and you you are led to believe again by supposed to culture that we need to be logical and we need to use our brains and we need to be analytical and that leads us all to believe that we are our thoughts that that's who we are but in reality thoughts are just like a blockbuster video like rewind play them the next day like rewind play them the next day like groundhog day and once you start to notice Okay, like, let me take a look at my thoughts and let me start challenging some of these because where did these thoughts come from? Whose thoughts are these? Whose story is this? Because so much of what we carry is, is the narrative of somebody else, the narrative of a supposed to culture. Maybe it's, you know, come through community, through your upbringing, through your, you know, your parents, indoctrinated stuff, generational stuff. But like, where did the story come from? And being like, do I actually believe this? That's so much part of the, the journey as well, too. Like, do I actually believe this thought? Is this what I know in my heart and my intuition, like with my intuition to be true? Or is this somebody else's stuff and I've just adopted it and it's time for me to let it go? And you kind of start with the end in mind in a lot of ways, like starting with the outcome. Like what is what is it you are hoping to achieve here? And many people are like, I have no idea. I just don't want to feel like I feel right now. Okay, cool. Let's start with that. Let's move towards that. Not feeling how you feel right now. And let's get there a little bit at a time. And, you know, it's really just watching watching clients uh, unfold and, and unravel and have these big 
aha moments. Like there is nothing like that feeling in the world. And every time I watch it unfold with every client, I'm like, this is what I'm meant to do. Like this, this is my true purpose in this world. Like this is my gift. This is my strength. This is my zone of genius. And watching it, walking that path with them it's so incredible. And it's why I keep waking up in the morning, you know, (laughs) like, like what, what's going to happen today and, and whose story is going to unfold before my eyes. And just being a part of that is such a blessing. So I, and I I would never have found this purpose, this passion without my own therapeutic journey, without going through it myself, without having the spiritual awakening, it never would have happened. It had to start with enough is enough and all of it unfolded. And this, this is funnily enough, what brings me to today, you said, bring you to today. And that's what all these, all this work, all this stuff I've done with my own self, this evolution and, you know, supporting others to have the same is what brings me here today, obviously. Um, But it's, it's, it's such a unique job and it's so profound in ways I could not ever articulate, to be honest with you, It's just such a privilege to be able to support these women. It's incredible. So getting back to that one idea, and you have actually mentioned that it also applies to men. Is there a reason apart from the business focus, so the supposed to business focus reason mm-hmm. to have that idea? I'm focused on a very specific area, which is yeah. which is the women's role in this or the women's outcomes in this. But this everything we've talked about applies to men. It applies to everybody. Every single individual on the planet is going through something in either extremes at the far end or the, you know reaching bliss whatever that is but this applies to everyone so why your focus like you say this is your this is your calling this is this yeah. is where you're supposed to be supposed to maybe i shouldn't use that word yeah <laughs> this is what <laughs> i'm this is what i need to my soul thinks or my soul feels is uh, it's my soul purpose there we go that's what there i was trying to get i to. like that Um, but in terms of working exclusively with women, it's, and when I started this business, I was like, I'm going to help women and men and non-binary folks and children and grandmas, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to help everybody. And that's what, it's a little bit difficult when you work on the, in the online space, the way that I do and, and sort of from that business perspective, tailoring it down and understanding where, okay, this is, this is where I work best. And these are the types of clients I work best with. Now, if, um, if a man reached out to me. And said, you know, I know you work exclusively with women, but I feel like a really deep connection to you. Would you consider working with me? Then, of course, I'm going to enter. Like, I'm going to entertain that. We're going to have a chat. We're going to talk. We're going to make sure that we mesh and we and we um, we work well together. Right. But for the purposes of like having a focus in the online space, it was essential that I narrow. But if if the right male client came along and we both naturally felt this was a good fit. There's always an option for that. And I do have uh, men that follow some of my work online, some of my online communities and spaces, and they will always message me and say, I feel these things too. And they'll share their experiences. And I've done a couple of videos speaking specifically about men and, and what that looks like in the male perspective and what I imagine it to be in terms of supposed to culture and what that looks like. Obviously, I'm not, I'm, I don't identify as a man, so I couldn't put myself in that and those shoes specifically and speak to that experience. But I can certainly think about how supposed to go in culture influences men. And I can see it playing out in my own circle and the relationships that I have with men, family, my partner and all this stuff. But yeah, if the opportunity presented itself and that's the way that the path illuminates in that way, of course, I'll go down that, that aisle. But from, like I said, and not like online, it's just, you need a little bit more of a focus. Yep. Completely understand that from from that that's that that externalization process of of business and and the world of making money and so forth. If money was out of the picture, would you do this kind of work where it's just you're helping people? Is this is this where it comes from within here? The idea of of helping people grow beyond their structured norms that are not put in place by themselves. Is this like the calling within you, or has this evolved simply because? it worked for you and you saw this as an opportunity to sort of, this is my business proposal. This is, this is where I can actually support my family and feel happy that I'm a, a, a member of society making the the money and the, the impact that I need to make. Um, which path is like, I mean, is this business? Is this life? That's that spiritual, very extreme on the right-hand side of spirituality where their role is simply to be for the purposes of others. Mm-hmm. 
And I know that's not you because you're in your home and you have the family. You still have some of those structures of this as opposed to society, but you're absolving yourself of some of the others and you're aiding and helping. And that's, it's a positive thing. I'm not, I'm not admonishing any of that because people in society still need those structures. People in society still need to see you're normal, just like me, as opposed to, you know, if you were sitting on a mountain on a rock and you had, you know, weird clothing on or whatever, something different from them and you were sitting and talking to them, they would feel disconnected. They would not see you as them. And yeah. that's, I think, for the mass majority of, majority, there's the word, of people, they need similarity. Otherwise, they will not take it as, oh, yeah, you're like me, you understand me. Most people will look at that and say, no, you're not like me, so you don't understand me. I'll listen to you, but mm, there's something that's missing here. Yeah, and I, I want to be relatable. And, and I want people to be able to relate to me. And I think, too, that's why women gravitate towards me just in general as well, too, because, you know, they see themselves like she'll understand she's a woman, too. She'll get it, you know. Um, so I think that's why the majority of my like, even if I hadn't advertised in that way, I think that naturally would have happened regardless. Right. Um, I, but I think a lot of my clients that come to me like that I work only with women. There's something for some reason that gives them a sense of comfort for whatever, whatever the case may be. I know I had one client that I worked with that was felt way more because she had suffered a lot of like domestic abuse and abuse from men her whole life. There was something very safe knowing that I only worked with women, even though it was like, and we had to dig into that obviously and understand that, but that gave her a sense of comfort. So I think regardless if I advertised as just helping people or if I just staying with helping women, especially uh, women empaths, like this would happen regardless, I think, because that's, that's who I'm most relatable to. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, it, it it makes sense. I, I get that. And yet our conversation, I feel you're relatable, period. You have an yeah. intellect. You have uh, an ability to communicate. You have an ability to articulate uh, your ideas in a way that others would understand as opposed to just articulating them yourself in people are going, what is she saying? What is she talking about? You have the ability to sort of expound beyond yourself to help to reach out and and have that communication have that connection and so for me i hear it and i say but i have no issues with you working with mm -hmm. you know you work with women or you work with men or you work <laughs> with whatever i'm just me yeah. and i can see you know if you if we were working together i could see it it's it's simple it's a simple process i don't yeah. see those issues but then i'm unique and other people as you said will look at you and go oh you work with guys too mm, i don't know if i want to deal with you because who knows you might share some stories and in that thought comes the question that do you when talking with people let them know they're not alone i've heard this before you know that kind of a statement where you're not alone in this experience that you're having i know you feel that way but I've dealt with a number of people that have gone through the same experience. Do you use that kind of verbiage with people to let them know what they're going through is not unique? It's unique to them, yes. but not unique in the world so that they don't feel like I'm, I'm, you know, in my own little box and there's nothing else around me. Yes. And it's funny you say that because uh, like, obviously I have an email list. I send out email broadcasts, different inspirational messages, things like that. And the, the bottom is always the same. And it's, 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 you are not alone. Um, because I think this can feel very isolating. I felt very isolated before I went to therapy. Like I felt like I was completely alone. Like I was the only human being that was having this experience in the world. Like nobody could understand. Nobody gets it. Nobody could possibly understand. And having that, and that's why, you know, community for me is so important and being somebody that shows up on social media, albeit sometimes it's exhausting, um, like completely exhausting to me. I do have a Facebook group as well too. That's got a thousand plus people in it all those who identify as women and just showing up in that community and making sure that these individuals know that there is someone there for them, even if they are just like a ghost in the group and don't say anything, but to know that they're not alone in this, to know that there are other people that are experiencing it, to know that they're in a safe kind of container, a safe space, um, keeps me going regardless of, you know, sometimes I have to take breaks because I start to get burnt out because it's like a never ending, like social media is like a gas tank that's never full. Like you can funnel gas into it as much as possible. And it's just like, I want empty, like, just keep going. But I'll continue to do it because I want to be um, the person that makes other people feel like they're not alone, it, whether they're paying me or not, because obviously my community is a free community. The the YouTube videos I put out are free. All this stuff is free because I understand there's an element of privilege when you're working with a therapist. Not everybody has the financial means, but I want to continue to be somebody that inspires, to continue to be somebody that makes them feel like they're not alone and to continue to be that person that that they say, okay, 
maybe I can do things differently. Maybe it is possible that, you know, things aren't exactly what I believe them to be. And I'm going to start challenging some of those thoughts. But um, yeah, I'm not sure where I was going with that. But that's where I got to. That's where the journey was. I, I understand exactly how you got there. So that's my brain processing it because we cool. talk about the on the mountain being helping people without there being any ties to a financial requirement or anything like that. You are showing that you're both. You're living in both worlds. You are the free and open person to society, as well as for those individuals who work with, um, you know, from that business perspective, that that privilege, as you called it, but I would call it more of the capability, the ability to access you in that way, yes. others get to see you for free. And I can understand the concept of being burnt out. And I, you know, as one of the thousands of people that probably inundate you, I apologize if you feel like you're being burnt out, if you feel like you're being drained, if the gas tank, well, it's the cup half full or half empty. Now you're the water within the cup feeling either I'm contained or I'm free flowing. So you can, <laughs> there's a new way of looking at the cup half full. I'm no longer a cup. I am water. I am within. I am contained or not contained. Yes. So. And this is not exhausting. This is exciting. Uh, this, this conversation's got me like vibing high. I'm going to like go and experience <laughs> the world in a whole new way that today because this is exciting. This is what I'm passionate about talking about. So it's, you know, like, and the funny thing is, like, I didn't even prepare for this. I'm like, I'm just going to, and I, I sat here, I grounded myself before I got on this call. I asked for support from my spirit guides, my well ancestors, all these people to surround me, to allow me to articulate, to speak and flow, to be supported. And that's another part of, you know, what I do before every client, before every interaction, before any presentation, meeting, wherever the case may be. Even mm -hmm. if I'm filming a video, I, I ask for the support and it's just the words are there. And that's another part of this. And it's just flowing because I'm passionate about it too. It's, I get excited and, you know, I, like I said, I could talk for hours about this, but you know, it'll be <laughs> so, very long. People's attention span is. <laughs> the nowadays people's attention span that are locked on their phones and me, as I've I mentioned to you before, my phone is for making phone calls and the occasional text from people that know how to use the text at my age group. Um, apart from that, <laughs> that's all I don't. So I'm not looking at uh, me and technology, even though I have the technology background. I don't know. Uh, I'm a person of the world now. Um yes. But the one, my last question to you, and it is probably one that's going to knock your socks off in the mm -hmm. sense that you've gone through a process of questioning your path, where you were, this opposed to society. Have you questioned your new path? Have you looked at change or the desire for change as situational? So when you were back then, there was a need to get out of what it was that you were in because of all the events that were around you. Do you feel you're going to be there again? Do you feel that this, possibly the impact of the hundreds or thousands of people that reach out to you on a regular basis is slowly burning? Are you going to suddenly find yourself in another crisis moment of this isn't where I'm supposed to be? I don't feel in the right place. There's something going on again, and I need to change me again. Is this is this something that's going to impact everything that you're currently involved in? Or do you already start to feel like it's encroaching? Do you already start to feel like I am beginning to feel that thing again? I'm beginning to feel that change voice in my head again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we had this conversation as well, too, when we were talking initially, is that the work never really stops, whether it's in, you know, personal development or in business, like things have to evolve, you know, like this was the initial stages of my, like of my business. This is where I was meant to be. I was doing what I needed to do. But of course, you know, like you're starting to feel like, okay, could this be a little bit different? Could this evolve into something different? Could this take a new path? And that's very scary because then you're like, oh my God, I put all this work into this. And I like to think about having to do it all again and break it all down, but you're not starting from scratch. There's a level of knowing, there's a level of understanding, a, a level of wisdom already there to be able to take it to the next level. And yeah, of course, I'm already thinking like, what's next for me? Because I love the client work I'm doing, but this experience, I really love too. more, like more speaking engagements, like speaking podcasts, different things. Like I could absolutely see myself on a giant stage with a thousand people in front of me. Just like, sometimes I think to myself, just give me a stage and put me on it. And I will inspire. That's I don't awesome. know. I might not know anything I'm going to talk about. I will probably go there with nothing, but I will figure it out and I will inspire. And that's sort of where the next iterations are coming with. Like, where can I take some of this knowledge of supposed to culture and this knowledge of all the client work I've done and be even bigger? And what does that look like? And how do I get there? And, and of course, as I'm starting to think that way, this opportunity comes. Isn't that interesting timing? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. 
Isn't that, I'm starting to think that way. And all of a sudden I get this email and I'm like, well, that's very interesting timing, which is just like a, it's like a, I can't wink, but <laughs> from the universe, it's like, I hear you just keep going, follow the breadcrumb. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah, there's already in the works thoughts of what does this look for? And like, what does this look like next? What's the next iteration of my business? Where am I meant to go to? And being able to understand, yeah, there's a lot of fear there because my ego is built. This is my new reality. Ego loves reality. And as I think about that, my ego is like, don't do that. Everything's wonderful and fine. And you're fine. And just do this. This is better. But as I've gone through my own personal development and spiritual growth and all that, I understand that fear is an element that is not going away. It's what do you do with it? Do you let it keep you stuck? Do you let it keep you right where you're at? Or do you say, okay, I I always say, give your fear a hug. It's trying to protect you. Like, it's okay. You know, I know you're scared, but let's just take the next logical step. You know, maybe the next logical step is as simple as turning my computer on and checking an email. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the next logical step. <laughs> breaking it down like that. Right. So. Do you break down the fear? Do you look at the fear and say, what am I actually afraid of? Do you look at it from the detailed perspective of, um, are you afraid of loss? Are you afraid of humiliation? Are you afraid of falling on your face? Are you afraid of, you know, all of, do you break it to the point where you're looking at it from a very logical perspective and say, well, if I take this step, I won't have this. And, you know, taking throwing the fear away and making it, making them more aware of the situational conditions that are making you feel the way you feel. So, it's more feeling than fear. Fear suddenly becomes feeling and then feeling is understandable and you can apply the things you need to make that feeling either not go away, but transition into something more positive because fear is simply a negative perspective of a situation. Right. And I had to learn a lot about fear. I had to understand the root cause of fear too. Like what's at the root of this fear. And so much of the, my fear was connected to, rejection and feeling like I was rejected when I was in school. And so much of it was connected back to my past and being like, I'm scared if I do this, if I take this next leap and I fall flat on my face, people are going to be like, like, look at you. You were so silly. Like how, like, I can't believe you did that. Look at you fell flat on your face. But what I've learned is that even if I fail, even if I fail or fall flat on my face, there's been a not, there's been a, knowledge that's been gained so to me it allows me to walk hand in hand with fear as opposed to being like i'm just not going to do anything because that fear of rejection or fear of failure or fear fear of being made like laughed at being laughed at is a big thing for me um i'm able to say okay like even if all of those things happen worst case scenario what have I learned? What is my takeaway? Okay, maybe I've learned that this wasn't like this wasn't quite the right path. I just need to pivot a bit and take a new direction. But uh, looking at where the bait, the root of the fear comes from, because for most of my client work, it's always like I'm so scared I don't want to do anything. Well, let's let's see where that story came from because it's a story. Again, it's a story you've told yourself of this is what failure means. This is what this is what rejection means. And understanding, okay, well I can alter the story to be like, all right, I might fail. But what if I freaking succeed? Mm-hmm. If it goes to plan. What if it all works out? Yeah. And and looking because it's so much easier to look at the negative. Yep. It's like Absolutely. what we're trying to do to look at the positive is different and it's uncomfortable at first. But once you start talking in that way, like what if this works out? What if even though I'm uncomfortable, I in five years time am standing on a stage with thousands of people and having a huge impact? Like what if it works out? If I don't take any chances and if I keep doing things the same way I'm doing now, I'm not going to even have an opportunity. Yep. So you're using, you're leveraging fear. You're changing it from the warning. Fear is a warning to fear is a tool. Yeah. You leverage it and you you take it and and you go with it. And yes, you can use that when you're talking to people. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I walk with it hand in hand because nine times out of 10, it's the inner child. So then you have to kind of take the hand of the inner child and be like, okay, we're going to do this together. I know you're scared. I got you here. We can do this. And there's the emotion again. I can feel like the tears welling in the eyes. You know, anytime I talk about my inner child, I tend to get emotional, but that's okay. Jesus, yeah, that's, it just shows that you need, to, you need to hug your inner child a little bit more. You know, it's oh, still- that's, I, de- I tell my clients that all the time. Do not underestimate like the power of a self-hug. It's really powerful. I'll do that myself. Although this is kind of tight, but that's yes. Everybody give themselves a self-hug right now that's watching and just say it's okay. Then you, you'd be surprised. Well, it does. It actually helps. I do that on occasion. I'll, I'll just kind of go, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. 
I'm good today. Got this. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> well, Marie, Denise, absolute pleasure talking with you today. Uh, yes. I hope you get the chance to do this again. Um, for you, I would say if you have a fear of being laughed at, you need to go and do improv on stage. And then you'll never fear being laughed at again. You'll just take it and go, all right, I'm good. You want to laugh at me? That's phenomenal. I'll do a little improv for you. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's been a pleasure. I'm hoping that our, our audience, our listeners have gleaned some information from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, you are at Align and Balance Counseling. I'm, yes. I'm giving you a plug. Thank uh, you. They can look you up, Denise Marie, Align and Balance Counseling. You'll find her. She's the first link right on the line. Um, so that's for those that want to reach out to you directly. Um, probably if they look you up, they can also find the places that you are on Facebook. And mm-hmm. uh, where else are you as well? I am everywhere. Facebook, oh. <laughs> YouTube, Instagram, like I'm all over the place. For myself. I've enjoyed this experience. Uh, it's given me a lot of thought, a lot of things to think about, a lot of things to have processed in my head. So I'll leverage that. And who knows, maybe I'll reach out again and we'll have another one of these conversations. I would love that. Don't feel afraid to reach out to me again. I would love it. If I see your email, I won't be like, no, I'll be like, yeah, again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. This was amazing. Thank you as well. And, and I look forward to seeing where you're going to go in the future. I really Absolutely. am. All right. Cool. Bye for now. Bye.